So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. I had to start with no money because I didn't have any. You know, all of my money had been tied up in the in the two properties. I didn't have any deposits to go and buy property. So I thought, that's great. I need to buy a positively cash flowed property without any money. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, I'm speaking with Jennifer Bolholt who was able to start her own business while raising two children and then buy property with no money down. Let's find out how she did it in this episode. Bolholt is the founder of the I Love Real Estate Community an educator and speaker on investment strategies in real estate, primarily focusing on fundamentals and accelerated investment success. I feel that, um, you know, my childhood attitude towards money was very different to what I experienced when I was overseas. Um, My family was not wealthy at all. Uh, They probably had a very um, lack attitude around money. And, um, you know, I, I think that gave me a burning desire that I never wanted to be poor. I never wanted to, um, you know, to, to live in the conditions that I had growing up. Um, it wasn't what I wanted. Um, and I, I, mean, I, you know, I had a good childhood. You know, my parents were great and all the rest of it. But um, the, the money attitude was very, very different. I'll give you an example. When I was at university... Um, I was at University of Canberra and my parents lived up in central Queensland. Both have passed on now. And um, when I drove home at Christmas time, I, I got home when they were, everybody was down at the yards dipping the cattle. And um, I said to, to mum, she was at home getting the afternoon tea, I said, look, don't take the old ute down, take my car. You know, I'll go home and surprise everybody that I'm home. So I'm unpacking my boot, which is, you know, an 18, 19 year old, I got crap all over the, my, my boot like most 18, 9 year olds have. And uh, I, um, I had a book lying in the bottom of the boot that I was reading at the time. And it was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I can still to this day remember my mother's words. She picked up the book, read the title, she goes, Think and Grow Rich? <laughs> what do you want to be rich for? And she threw the book back into the, into the boot. And that was pretty typical of the attitude around money that I grew up with. Um, whereas I had this rebellious nature that I didn't want that for me. You know, I, I wanted to live in a better house. I wanted to drive a better car. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to do all of these things. I had these, you know, very strong desires and dreams that I was going to fulfill. So in one way it was great because it gave me that absolute burning desire that I didn't want to grow up in 
with that lack attitude. But do you know that book, I never finished reading it until my mother died some 20 odd years later. Um, it was, you know, and it's remarkable how a lot of these things, it's not a conscious decision. It's a subconscious decision that you allow these things to influence you. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of people need, you know, more understanding of and more training in to understand how you can revert, reverse those kind of pro- that programming, that automatic programming that we all run on. Because something that I do, yes, I teach real estate, but but um, a big part of of the training that I run alongside the real estate is the personal development growth that absolutely needs to be there. Because without that. No matter how much money you um, you make, you won't keep it unless you're creating the the um, emotional growth that comes along with the financial growth. So, what does a real estate business owner who runs everything from a farm do in any given day? When I'm with my students, I'm 100% present. So, I do a number of um, training events around the country, whether they be one day or three days four-dayer I've got coming up very shortly. Um, so when I'm doing those, I'm very present and that's what I'm doing. When I'm at home here on the farm, I, I have an office here. I've got two full-time accountants. I've got other staff upstairs. And my, my day here probably starts at about 8 o'clock normally after I've been to the gym and those sorts of things. And I normally do um, – I'm very structured in my day. So I will have a certain time for my own portfolio. I will have a certain time for my property education business. And then I run a number of um, real estate businesses as well, as in um, more active management um, properties in real estate, not just not just passive investments, which need a lot more attention. So my day is very, very varied. And if I've got something that I don't like doing, I normally give myself a little reward um, for uh, – for uh, getting the job done that I didn't want to go and do. Um, and that might be, you know, playing in the garden for 10 minutes or something or other. So something that I enjoy doing. Every morning I write my to-do list of uh, what I've got to get done for the day and I prioritise that to-do list. And there will be things on there that will be, a, oh, I've got to do that. And if you don't have a reward, it's very easy to throw it to the end, throw it to the end and that will be on next, next day's uh, to-do list. So it might just be, well, I'll get that done and then I'll go and have a cup of tea or something like that. In addition to this, Boholt developed some key traits during her formative years that would help her along in the distant future. I grew up in central Queensland. Um, we grew up on, I grew up on a cattle station. My father moved around a lot um, when I was a kid. I think by the time I was in grade 7, I'd been to five different schools. So it meant that I, um, you know, I was very res- resilient and quite independent and those sort of things because you know, you, you, when you're moving that, that often, you're very much on your own. That was my background. I mean, that's where I grew up. I um, I studied hard. I was very much into athletics. Um, so that was my, my physical outlet. 400 metres was my best race. But it wasn't until Boholt finished her high school and had her first overseas experience and taste of business that firmly set her onto her path in the corporate world. That, that, was, that was when I was moving around. But then, I mean, I kind of settled down a little bit more in high school and um, I... Uh, I got into university. I actually went overseas for for a year first. So I went overseas, and you can imagine growing up on, you know, five and ten thousand acre properties, and then going to downtown Bangkok, and and learning to cross twelve lanes of traffic one at a time. It was the biggest culture shock you've ever seen. 
when I was going over, I, I thought I wanted to be a vet. But um, you get to, to, to university and, you know, you talk to a, a female vet who came in to talk to all the new recruits and she said, well, realistically, you're going to have a, your hand up a cow's butt for the rest of your life. I mean, that doesn't sound very appealing to me. Then the opportunity came up, up for me to go overseas on exchange. So I deferred university. I went overseas. And uh, when I came back, I decided I didn't want to be a vet. I, when I was over there, I stayed with a family who the lady in particular was pretty high up in business. And I was fascinated by the business world. So I used to wag school most of the time because I'd finished school here anyway. And I used to follow her around and go to meetings and take notes. And most of it was in Thai and this sort of thing. And I'd understand about, you know, half of it. But uh, it was it was good fun. It was a good experience. So when I came back, I did a um, – I started off doing Asian studies, which meant I could continue with the language, and um, economics. But I quickly switched to accounting and economics. So I came up with a double major in accounting and economics. After university, Bolholt had a colourful and diverse array of jobs that gave her the experience and skills she's used to this day. Things were very different back then though. I mean, there's plenty of job offers around. I think when I finished uni, there was, I got about 15 job offers and uh, I chose to go to uh, Coopers and Librand, one of the big accounting firms at the time. And I moved to Sydney then because I went to university in Canberra. Went to, to Sydney with that and um, for anyone who's been through that formal training, you'll understand what I mean when I say I served my time. <laughs> I got headhunted from there. I went into private enterprise and I was financial controller of a number of different organisations. Um, I was in oh, the banking industry at one stage. There was a financial control of a stockbroking firm, um, the mining industry, a lot of different positions within the mining industry, manufacturing. I was even financial controller of a liquor distribution company at one stage and we had the best parties ever. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Gosh, it would be the norm having a, a vodka bottle in your room or something like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> There was a big bar there that we had to have functions and entertain people and all of these sort of things. So it was a very different financial controller position, I can tell you. I feel um, that grounding was very good for me because it taught me a lot at a lot of different levels and to be able to re- relate to people at a lot of different levels, whether, you know, whether I was talking in the boardroom or whether I was you know, running a mine of you know, 160 men um, and I'm you know, <laughs> female and all of those things. But, you know, it didn't take long with it that, um, you know, those guys would do anything for me, which was, which was really um, fantastic. But it was also, uh, you know, you get a lot of skills regarding um, leadership and, um, and working as a team and those sort of things, which is something that I think is very important for, uh, for real estate. Boholt's path to success hasn't always been easy. After leaving the corporate world, Bolholt returned to Queensland and began her own business and missed juggling the challenges of a full-time work and single motherhood. And I got out, um, then I went into small business services within um, Coopers and Librand and that's where I then got headhunted and I became financial controller then of a number of different organisations. And it wasn't until um, my 30s when I was going through a very messy divorce that I decided, I made a conscious decision that I wouldn't go back into the corporate world. I would... Um, move away from New South Wales where I was living at the time. I moved back to Queensland. And I basically drove from the, the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast and said, okay, where am I going to be? In that belt somewhere. And I chose the Sunshine Coast. And I, I was pregnant. I had a baby in arms. I'd given up the corporate career to try and save the marriage, which obviously didn't work. And I decided that um, I was going to set up my own accountancy practice because I figured at least then because I had all the qualifications I, you know, you could poke a stick at, basically. And I, um, I decided that I would 
um, be at least in one spot, you know, because I couldn't, with the corporate world, I really became the fix-it. You know, I'd go on a contract, I'd go into an organisation that was not doing well or, or losing money, um, you know, middle to middle-sized companies mostly. I would walk in there, I would turn it around, I would um, put systems into place, I would turn the profitability around and I'd train somebody else to come in behind me to take over my position and then I'd go on to another contract. So I couldn't do that with small children. Um, and I decided, well, I'll set up an accountancy practice. And um, I literally, eight months pregnant, you can imagine it, six to eight months pregnant, I was walking the streets of the Sunshine Coast, introducing myself to businesses, um, setting up an accountancy practice and gaining clients, etc. So it was a hard road. And I was really in survival mode because when I walked out of divorce, I, I had a grand total of $40,000 in my back pocket. Not a lot of money to start all over with two kids on your own and a new business. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into the journey on how Bowholt overcame the challenges of her adverse position to continue on her property investing journey. And I remember sitting in my, my office, um, which faced the Western Sun, I had this big window that faced the Western Sun, it's a spectacular sunset. And I remember sitting there thinking, my life is really hard. How she grew her portfolio. So I thought, that's great. I need to buy a positively cash flowed property without any money. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. After her divorce and having to start all over, Bowholt was looking for a way out of working 60 hours a week in her business so she could spend more time with her two children. I bought a two-bedroom fibro shack with an asbestos roof that leaked when it rained and that's where I lived. Um, and I bought a 74 square, 72 square meter office where I ran the accountancy practice from. So, I mean, I was very, very good with money, money, you know, money management and things like that because that's that's been my whole career. Um, but it was tough. It was really, really tough. I mean, it hurts when you've got to put your six-week-old baby and your toddler into full-time daycare for somebody else to look after. But if I didn't work, they didn't eat. That was a reality. So that was my life as a single mum. And I built my business up and it was it was really, I mean, I look back and say, you know, how come I only end up with 40, 40 grand considering how much money I earned in those early years because I earned a lot of money. So I, um, I then, um, it was a couple of years of just really knuckling down and, and working really hard. I built the business up and I remember sitting in my, my office, um, which faced the Western Sun, I had this big window that faced the Western Sun, most spectacular sunsets. And I remember sitting there thinking, my life is really hard. It's not so much that my life sucked. It was just, it was hard. It was you know, I'm working 40 to 60 hours a week, two small children to look after on my own. Um, you know, you take files home from work and you play with the kids, put them to bed, feed them, bath them, all the rest of it. Then you fall asleep on the couch doing work and you get up the next morning and you do it all again. And it was just really, really hard. And I remember sitting there looking at this sunset thinking, I don't want this for the rest of my life. Her experience in the corporate world led her to property. And through her own research and priority of fast financial returns, 
It resulted in her own portfolio of thrifty successes. I looked at other things. I looked at um, I looked at the share market. Given that I've been financial controller of a stockbroking firm, I know what happens on the other side of the stock market industry. And um, I've got to tell you, I am very negatively biased to the, particularly the Australian stock market and how manipulated it is. But that's my personal opinion. And then um, then I looked at multi-level marketing. I even went and joined Amway at the time. Um, and, you know, all of the, the multi-level marketing work. They absolutely do. What didn't work was me. It didn't suit my personality at all. So I thought, no, that's not for me. And then, I, then of course, that leaves property. And I thought, well, you know, I can't afford to negatively gear. But everything that I had ever been taught from, you know, school onward with all of the training and everything, you know, a, a client comes in to see you and they whinge about paying too much tax, you say, well, you need to buy a negatively geared investment property. You know, this is how it works. And this is how you can save tax and all these things. But when I looked at it for me, I thought, this is a mugs game. You know, I can't afford this negative cash flow um, because, you know, in the hope that the thing's going to go up in value because things were pretty tight back then. So I thought, well, maybe there's another way. Maybe if I bought a property that even looked after itself, does that even exist? And then, of course, I gave myself another couple of weeks to come up with a business plan because, um, you know, what's a business plan that's going to work? And I, I did research. I did analysis. I did analysis paralysis, I think. I did feasibilities upon feasibilities. And I came up with a business plan that I figured for me was going to work. And that was really creating a portfolio uh, of properties that were positively geared. Um, but my trouble, of course, was that I, I had to start with no money because I didn't have any. You know, all of my money had been tied up in the in the two properties. I didn't have any deposits to go and buy property. So I thought, that's great. I need to buy a positively cash flowed property without any money. And do you know the first three properties I bought were all positively cash flowed properties without any money at all? This wasn't the only challenge Bolholt would encounter and discover the importance of emotional protection, especially in the workplace. I must confess, I bought a negatively geared investment property. There you go. That's my, that's my dirty little secret. But I'll tell you why I bought it, which is what is really quite interesting. I was going through a time where um, a lot of people were coming to me, there were students coming to me, and they, you know, they were basically coming in and dumping their stuff on me. Oh, this has gone wrong and my business has gone wrong and something's happened over there and I've got a negatively geared investment property and whatever else. And um, I was energetically not protecting myself from... Uh, other people's stuff, for want of a better word. Um, and I felt I was taking on their burden. And at a subconscious level, I felt I, I slipped back into um, a lot of childhood um, attitudes around money and those sort of things. And at the time, I went out and bought a property, which was, well, was a luxury property and obviously negatively geared and all of these kind of things. So, you know, it was the heartstrings that bought it, not the head. And, you know, it's, I think I still own the damn thing. But um, <laughs> but it, it obviously had an effect. It was negatively cash flow. And it was a big mistake. You know, I, I lost money on it or whatever. But uh, the reasons behind it, I think, are important that you, you know, you can allow yourself to to take on other people's stuff. And it's something you need to protect yourself from. Um, and even in you know workplaces, a lot of us work in very toxic environments and things like that, which uh, the negative attitudes, if you have them thrown at you enough, you, you absorb some of that. 
um, you have to have a regime every single day to to raise your own energy levels and to to remain focused on what it is that you really want and what's right for you and keeping in mind your bigger picture, which it's very easy to allow um, life uh, to kind of take over that position and uh, and get you sidetracked and you turn around two or three years later and you, you really know further ahead than you know you were, except you're two or three years older. So I think focus is very important with that sort of thing. And it, it reminds me of a story of a, um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine about a counsellor who counsels um, cancer patients. And she was talking about how ironic it was that now she has cancer. And it was the same kind of scenario with me. Um, you know, I'm counselling people on debt reduction and, and, you know, all of these things and, and not negative gearing and et cetera. And I ended up doing exactly the same thing at that time because because of that, that protection mechanism not being there. Despite all this, Boholt's most successful moment came at the back of one of her most challenging ones. For me, it was more of a slow burn um, because when I made that decision sitting in my office looking at the sunset, it took me 18 months to totally replace my accountancy income I was working 40 to 60 hours a week for previously. So within 18 months, I had totally replaced my accountancy income with passive real estate income. And remember that the first three deals, I had to do no money down just to get going. So I, I don't think there is that, oh my God, that's amazing. It, it was very much a slow burn. And my whole life has been really more about that because I am constantly learning. I am constantly educating myself. I am constantly working on myself so that I can be a better leader, a better teacher for others as well. It's, it's, it's an ongoing journey. I don't think it's something that ever stops. Um, and if you stop learning, you die. Um, so <laughs> it's something I will continue to do. I mean, I have a goal that uh, I speak on stage when I'm over 100 and make sense. There's a qualifier there. I do have to actually make sense. <laughs> we'll see if I can meet that target. So, inspired by this story and what Diffner Boholt is excited about today, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode on Property Investory Podcast where we talk about how to apply the strategy of positive gearing. So, you know, to be able to do a feasibility, be able to do a reverse feasibility and to do it standing on their head and to be able to, to know what this costs and that costs and that strategy and, and analyse deals. The significance of belief and self-confidence. The biggest thing is belief system, belief in yourself um, and, and getting out there, actually just turning up and getting out there, you know, talking to people. And that's next time on Property Investory Podcast. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening. 
and that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.